Hey there, Tony Akinomi here, and you're listening to the Outside Girl Podcast. Join me every other week as I sit down with some incredible women as we discuss their experiences of feeling like outsiders and what they do now to elevate other women to feel empowered, bold, and live their life unapologetically. When have you ever felt like an outsider and how did you navigate those feelings? So when I first moved to Canada, that's when I had that first experience of truly feeling like an outsider. When I grew up in Hong Kong, everyone was, you know, Chinese for the most part. So when I first moved to Canada, that's where I experienced, um, you know, a melting pot of different cultures. The school that I went to was predominantly white. And we went to this private school and everyone kind of dressed the same and talked the same way. But I came in not really feeling like I belonged. I was kind of like this lanky giraffe that didn't really fit into this jungle. That's how I felt always. I was, my interest in the line, my pursuits and my goals seemed like it was different from everyone else. And in order to navigate those feelings, it was a very confusing time. I was eight years old at the time. It took me a few years, but I learned to immerse myself completely into the culture to adapt, right? And I think that's what humans are designed to do is you adapt to your environment and your surroundings in order to survive. So that's what I did. I watched a lot of <laughs> family TV, listened to a lot of pop, listened to Britney Spears, even though I really hated pop music. I really love jazz, but I got bullied for that. And it, it was just one of those things that I had to suppress. I had to suppress a lot of my true interest because I felt like if I was different, then I wouldn't be liked. You mentioned <laughs> that, you know, you had to kind of adapt. What did adapting kind of look like to you? Adapting to me is, goes back to that old saying of, in order to make yourself, you have to break yourself first, right? So in that confusing period, as a young girl, I had a difficult time trying to identify or, or trying to find the group that I belonged with or identify because I was not quite, <laughs> you know, the Hong Kong native, but also wasn't born and raised in Canada. And so I felt like there was this interesting hybrid that was going on, but I never felt quite right in associating myself with each of one of the groups. So I would say adapting is firstly, like actually mimicking what your surroundings are. I think that is actually part of the creative process that we all go through, no matter what domain that might look like. And a perfect example would be actually Steve Jobs. If you look back to interviews clips of him in the in the 80s where he talked about uh, the philosophy behind Apple he actually talked about how he copied a lot of stuff right and then you fast forward a couple decades later you know mid-2000s uh, when Apple is you know taken off and and it's become hugely successful and influential in, in our world that's where he actually went back and said oh we don't copy people like you know there are copycats out there but we're original so it's one of those things, it plays into human psychology. Um, we don't like it when people copy our ideas, but it's a necessary part of every creative process. And I think adapting, copying what's already there, modeling that and modeling behavior is a part of adapting. And then from there on, that's how you evolve and add your own spin and transform it into something else. Mm -hmm. And I know you enjoy traveling as well. Do you think 
all your adventures abroad also helped you with like learning how to you know adapt or just even learning how to become more of yourself in the process absolutely and i think the concept of self is ever-changing right like one year ago, I thought, <laughs> I would never have thought who, you know, this would be the person I am today. Of course, there's always an aspiration of who I want to be, but I think that's constantly evolving. I think the denominator, you know, that's going to carry with me are the core values. So, you know, like always maintaining curious, um, uh, trying to learn from every single interaction, every opportunity, practicing groundedness, all of these Values are things that I will continue to carry through my life, but you know the surface level stuff, my interests and my professions, the businesses I'm involved in, or you know the friend groups I'm with, like they don't necessarily define me. So I think those values and the deeper foundation is what I would say constitute self. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think as also like an immigrant, I definitely identify a lot with your story. And if, if just trying to figure out. Should I be more Canadian or should I be, you know, more where I came from or and how do I fit in? And it's hard to fit in. And and should I should I not fit in? Should I stand out a little bit? And then standing out, you're like, oh, all this attention on me, you know, <laughs> so it's, it's definitely a fine balance. And and I think sometimes it's so important to, to put those energies into something else, something more productive when you mentioned that your mom is one of your base influences, I'm sure she probably, you know, maybe taught you a few things about, you know what, like if you're going through some things, maybe channel your energy into something else. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say that that's one of the reasons why you even decided to start, you know, Nodi to begin with? I'd say that's definitely a strong influence. Do you actually want to talk about like the inspiration to start that and how that took off? Yeah. So <laughs> it's a funny story. So I, it's a love story. <laughs> <laughs> so about three years ago, I studied abroad in Denmark. I was going there for six months. And when I first got there, this is in January, super cold. It was on a Sunday evening and I had school the following days and I knew I needed a secondhand bike right? Because everyone biked around in Denmark and I just knew I needed one in order to get by because transportation is so incredibly expensive there. So it was late at night, it was 2am and I tried to Google Craigslist and eBay and Kijiji and any of these like local marketplaces and classifieds, but I couldn't find anything. So then I thought to myself, okay, where can I find someone who would give me immediate response (laughs) who can give me guidance on where to find a bike and can speak English at this time. So I went on Tinder. (laughs) (laughs) And that's totally normal. And I use that channel. So I was very intentional about it, right? Every guy I swiped, I was like, okay, hey, where can I find a bike? I'm new here, right? So some people took it as a pickup line. But I just kept trying, like every guy. And eventually through that channel, I did find a bike. I did find a secondhand bike. But also the unexpected piece is uh, Morton, my boyfriend, uh, <laughs> met him through this. Uh, we continued to chat and that's how things took off. So over the course of this studying abroad trip, I always knew there was a finite time to this, right? Like I always knew I was gonna go back to Canada, this was this short-lived romance, you know, whatever happens in Denmark stays in Denmark. I didn't think too much of it. Didn't really even tell my friends back home or family about it because I thought it was just like this fantasy alternate reality that I was living in. 
So leading up to the final days where I would finally come back to Canada, I actually, and this is so cheesy because like I literally get goosebumps every time I share this piece, but I wrote him a letter. I wrote Morton a letter and I wrote him uh, 50 things I like about you. And I listed each item that I really cherished about him, a quality or trait or even an experience that we shared together that I really enjoyed. And for the 50th item, I went on Google Translate to look up I love you in Danish. And <laughs> and so then the day when he sent me out to the airport, I folded this letter up and I gave it to him. I was very dramatic. I was I was a complete hot mess. I was crying. <laughs> and I gave it to him and I was like, read this while I'm on the plane. And yeah, it was very painful. I felt like my heart was ripped to pieces and um, yeah, not being dramatic in this part at all. It was a very strong feeling. So, um, and, and what happened then was when I finally arrived Toronto Pearson airport, <laughs> he, he texted me and he said, I love you too. Check the front pocket of your purse. So I was like, oh, okay, interesting. I, so I looked into my purse and it turns out that he had written me a letter. Okay, so, you know, obviously my letter was better. <laughs> but that's besides the point. Uh, the point being that became the cornerstone of how we maintain intimacy in our long distance relationship, right? Like he was in Denmark, I was in Canada, we're six time zones apart. And, you know, this is just a, the small exchange of writing letters and sending small gifts to each other was how we created something special and bond between the two of us, you know, this like excitement anticipation that we would have. And so he, my boyfriend finally moved to Toronto last July. And even though now he's living in Toronto and we're technically have close a distance, we actually kept that traditional alive. So we still wrote letters and exchanged small gifts to each other. So the almonds, uh, which is the first product of Nodi, uh, was actually never meant to be a business. It was just a small treat that I was going to bring him after work on a Friday evening. And I had some extra lying around. So I asked my colleagues, hey, like, does anyone try some almonds? Like, I, my boyfriend really likes them. And uh, a few folks from work have tried them. And they went absolute bananas over them and really have encouraged me and added fuel to my fire to, to start a business. And that's how it all started. It was this happy accident slash discovery. And throughout the journey, I've met a lot of amazing people who have really supported me, Tony included. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what an incredible story. Um, I wonder how many people are going to go on Tinder after this uh, podcast is done to try and find their, their long-distance uh, relationship partners. Um, I think that's so incredible. And I think um, I think that's also really cool that like your coworkers were also part of that journey as well. Mm -hmm. There's so many, so many people who were part of the journey to help you realize that you had something so good on your hands. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, these almonds are out of this world. Just shameless plug. But they're so good. <laughs> I've never had almonds like them beforehand. Like it's so good. Um, so I feel like, and, and the thing is like when starting a business, I think sometimes it's like you want to keep it to the chest. You mm -hmm. want to hold on to it. And mm -hmm. you, you're kind of afraid to see, you know, oh, you know, where do I want to kind of go with this? You know, how, like, is it actually going to be a good product? Mm -hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. I think for you, one of the first steps was making sure that people thought it was a good product. So for somebody else who's listening, yes. 
what are the kind of things that they should do, yeah. you know, to validate their products. If they wanted to start a business like yours and said, you know, how can I make sure that this is something that people want? Mm-hmm. What are some things that they should do? In the early days, I didn't have full confidence in the product. I, I knew my boyfriend loved it. I knew I loved it. I knew some of my friends and coworkers loved it. But I needed to speak to strangers. So what I did was I had two Ziploc bags <laughs> with me at all times in, you know, two different variations. And after work, you know, I, I would basically go down for Toronto listeners out there like on, on King West and I would approach strangers on, you know, on the TTC and public transport and on the streets to see if they're allergic to nuts. And if they say they're not allergic to nuts, I'll ask them, hey, do you want to try some almonds <laughs> out of my Ziploc bags? <laughs> not sketchy at all. Not sketchy at all. <laughs> here's the advantage of being a woman. You are less threatening, hmm. right? There's, um, you know, there's something, and I generally would approach women anyway, but I think it helps. It's part of an advantage. You, you know, you are less likely <laughs> to do something that are trying to harm their health. But um, yeah, and that's what I did. I went to uh, fitness studios. I even brought it into the ACC when Michelle Obama was here in Canada. <laughs> it got confiscated, but that's okay, right? <laughs> like what I've learned through that is you need to get validation from strangers who don't know you and they can give you that straight up feedback. So to piggyback off of that point, I would say it's not so much about creating the perfect product. Um, I think this is from Michelle Romano. Um, I, I went to one of her speaking events a couple months ago and she said, entrepreneurship is not about having the perfect product out in the market. Like if you are waiting for the perfect product, then you, it, it's, you shipped it way too late. So it's all about pushing half-baked products in the market and seeing how the market reacts and then continue to evolve accordingly. So I think that's an ethos that a lot of entrepreneurs have adopted. Obviously do the best that you can, but know that the perfectionist piece, it could be something that is holding you back from even actioning it at all. And so that was a very hard lesson that I learned because prior to Nodi, I was actually working on a separate business where I was so stuck on being perfect And I, you know, I did way too much research. Like I didn't talk to the market that much, right? I didn't have a prototype ready. I was just stuck in this research mode where I would try to figure out the perfect formula from reading articles and, and really just researching, but not actually producing. And yeah, that, that business never really took off. Wow. Mm -hmm. So what's something else that you think people should also keep in mind when building a product? Keep your most loyal fans (laughs) with you. You know, the folks that have absolutely loved your product in the, in the, you know, in their first prototypes, make sure that, you know, they're aware of, you know, the latest happenings. They want to be part of your journey. They want to support you, right? That could be, you know, friends that are from work, or they could be, you know, like family members who actually have a very strong interest in your life. And you always, I think there's something very human and natural about, you know, sharing your story and inviting people to be involved as part of building something and part of that journey together. So making sure that they're informed of all your processes and then maybe they can give you new ideas and suggestions on how you can improve together. And that's very fulfilling. It's a win-win for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) And when it comes to garnering that customer base, Mm -hmm. what are some tips that you have to getting those kind of clients? Having a really good product. And it's this like chicken or egg question. 
so my in my full-time job, I, I'm in sales, I'm in software sales, and I am a big proponent of, you know, reputation precedes everything, right? Like, I don't think of, oh, like, what is this person going to benefit me, uh, like, if I'm going to help them, right? I always just take the approach of be the person that, that I wish I had. Maybe it's like a mentor or someone, you know, like, I always think back when I was younger, I always wanted, like, a, a, like a type of female mentor who has gone through a specific lifestyle or like career journey that I truly resonated with, but I didn't have that growing up. So now thinking, okay, if that was the old me, like what would I have wished for? And so I would always think, okay, just help as many people as possible, right? Like if they need help, it's going to take what a couple minutes of your day, like give them the time of day, the 30 minutes, because you, you never know what the future holds. And it's just something that we should always foster, especially in women, like the, all the, my biggest, most loyal fans are all my, my girlfriends and, and my loyal female friends. <laughs> <laughs> and there's something very uplifting when you work together and, and yeah, like focus on helping the other person out. And almost then you can earn the permission to ask for help. Mm-hmm. That would be the biggest thing. And how do you actually balance having a product for a business Mm -hmm. and also working for a business working for okay yeah so being in tech sales at shopify affords me to have this type of flexible lifestyle right like um you know that's something that the company really encourages people right like as long as you're self-sufficient you are delivering they don't really care if you're working until 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. You don't have to be there 9 to 5 as long as you are delivering results. So I have developed um, this particular lifestyle where, you know, I can find those pockets of time, you know, during lunchtime or early mornings or late at night where I can work on my business and instill it. So sometimes I also have to be mindful of making sure I, you know, have a meeting with myself. So I would time block it in my schedule Right? It's easy to you know, put the customer at the forefront, absolutely. But let's say you know, if I don't want to work past 6.30 for my full-time job, then I make sure that I put an appointment in with myself so I actually stick to it and can work on my business. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, mean, that's, I think that's great advice. And um, for the final question, mm-hmm. I think I have to say something that I really love about you is that you are just so incredibly smart. <laughs> Truly. (laughs) So smart and like very savvy, you know, like you're, you're, like you were just talking about how you balance your life Mm -hmm. um, and the time blocking and, and just like, I guess like who you are as a person, there's something so unapologetic about you, Mm -hmm. you know, because, and I'm sure like there's been different influences in your life like that. And even your, your love story with starting this business, like, you know, some people could embellish, some people could pretend that didn't happen and, and mm. say, you know, you've had this business forever, but you know, you've just, you know, you've just, it's, you've been real about it. Right. And I think that realness is something that people can appreciate for somebody who's listening and who wants to start a business, but wants to make sure that, you know, they don't lose themselves in the process. They don't lose their story. They don't lose, you know, their why, mm. how can you tell them? How can you maintain who you are and be unapologetic with yourself in the process? I have um, a daily practice in the morning. So I have my own morning routine. I, I'm not 100% at it, but I try to be. So in the morning when I wake up, you know, I would 
have my little journal where like I just write down whatever is on my mind, whether that's something I dreamed about, but usually like three top things that I'm grateful for. And then I have this little thing where like I talk about like what I aspire to be and, you know, the person I want to become. And I think having this almost daily ritual is really important because it reinforces what you've just said of like possibly losing yourself in the process. And if it's not top of mind for you, that's when you can lose sight, right? Like external influences and um, any outside opinions that might come in at you, attack you, or perhaps bring you down. It's easy to let that affect you. But if that's the first thing that you do, you've essentially won your day, right? Because that's the thing that like, great, like I've set the tone, I framed it for the rest of the day. Now I can remember, remind myself like this is who I am. Because because I truly believe that we all do, we need to definitely do a lot of soul searching to identify the type of thing that we want to resonate with. But that would be the biggest single piece of advice that I would have for everyone is, is, you know, throughout the day, there are a lot of variables that could change, especially if you're in a customer facing role where you don't have the luxury of just spending four hours straight into like a project. Uh, you're kind of all over the place and you have to hop between meetings. So setting that daily ritual and framing the day and having a tone and establishing who you want to be, that would be my biggest advice. And as a pro tip, I use this app. It's not affiliated. (laughs) It is free. It's available on Android. It's called Habits. And I've been recommending it to my, a lot of my close friends. And um, it's a free app that essentially allows you to you know, create a, like you write a habit and then each day you do it, you just tap on it and it does a check mark. And over time you can see all these different habits that you've built. So one of the really important things for me is always learning. So I literally have a habit called educate myself for 10 minutes. I don't think education only comes in books. (laughs) I think it can come through conversations. Um, It can come through listening to podcasts like this one, for example. Um, But I make it a priority. Like I want to make sure that every single day I have at least invested 10 minutes on something that can either move my business forward or make myself smarter and increase by at least 1% from the day uh, from the person I was yesterday. So the small incremental steps. Yeah. I love that. Um, it's so hard to maintain habits for sure. Yeah. Like I always say, I'm going to wake up really early in the morning and, and write in my five minute journal. And <laughs> I think that probably happens twice or three times a week, yeah. but I'm trying. So maybe I'll take your pro tip and, and get that app as well. Um, but you know, actually what time do you usually wake up in the morning? It fluctuates. Okay. Um, I think <laughs> it's, it's, um, cause you usually have late nights, right? I do. Yeah. I do. But I even try to find those like 20 minutes, the moment I wake up, rather than, you know, just going through my phone and texts and emails, which we can get all sucked into, 20 minutes, it seems like a big thing, a big ask in the morning. But what I do is I make sure that is something it's, that's non-negotiable. Like I make sure I do that because on the days that I don't, it's usually when my mind goes crazy and I don't feel like I have this groundedness or this anchor to make me feel like okay like I have my I have a a good tone I'm setting positive intentions for the day Mm -hmm. so your secret sauce is have great habits surround yourself with good people Mm -hmm. and just kind of remain positive in everything you do 
Yes. So I I think the positive piece is really important because I would say I am an optimist, but I'm also practical. I'm pragmatic in that sense. Um, You know, I'm not expecting some overnight results, right? Like, of course, I would love to continue to grow the business. But what I do know is that if I put in the work, I focus on improving myself 1% each day, educating myself for 10 minutes that can help improve myself or move the business forward over time. It's a compound interest, right? Like these are the things that you build over time and the experiences and the knowledge that you curate. And I think that's truly how you win. Something that, you know, is there's no magic to that. It's something that a lot of successful business titans preach. One of my favorite books is, I forgot who, who wrote it, but it's, um, it's called, all I want to know is where I'm going to die, so I won't go there, which is um, a book about Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger's ethos and approach to business and to life. And uh, it's, it's a very, very fascinating book. I've read it a couple times now, and I have all these highlighted passages. But, you know, this is just one of those things where you can extract the wisdom from people that really inspire you and implement into your own. Mm-hmm. Well, Chloe, thank you mm-hmm. so much for being on the show today. Um, if people wanted to contact you, how can they do that? <laughs> so you can you can always find me on LinkedIn, Chloe Chan. The best way would be to reach me at Chloe at nodi.ca. That's N-O-D-I dot C-A. And you can also check out my website, www.nodi.ca or on Instagram, nodi.ca. So nodi.ca. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, get those almonds because honestly, it will change your life. It changed mine. Thank you, Chloe. Thank you, Tony. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Outside Girl Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at underscore the OG podcast or online at www.theoutsidegirl.com. And check you on the next episode.